You're listening to the Bloodsucking Feminists, your number one Kiwi Scottish podcast focused on the three Fs, fangs, feminism, and fangirling. I'm Catherine. And I'm Keely. And you're listening to episode 31, Bad Medicine, or the 2006 BBC adaptation of Dracula by Bram Stoker. This version was written by Stuart Harcourt and directed by Bill Eagles. So I'd seen this version before. You hadn't, right? No. No, I hadn't. Yeah, well, this came out in 2006, and I remember there being so much hype about it. I mean, BBC pushed this thing really hard. I think it was, like, one of their big Christmas things that year. You know, because there's nothing more Christmassy than fucking syphilis. (laughs) Fucking syphilis. You got a emphasis, you know, just so people understand. But yeah, I remember being so hyped for this because I was 16 and like vampires and it was, you know, Christmas. So what else was I going to watch? And Doctor just Who. being kind of, well, that's true. It was basically Doctor Who and Dracula. That was all I really had, you know, give me some plot. Uh, but yeah, I just remember even at the time being kind of perplexed by this thing because I knew it wasn't like the book. And it wasn't like any other adaptation of Dracula I'd seen. At the time, it wasn't as many as I've seen now. But there were, it was clear that there were ideas going on here that just never really come to fruition. I mean, not just the syphilis. You know, there's a lot of really interesting ideas about trauma in this, about, um, you know, family strife and secrets and the poisonous rhetoric of the upper classes and secret societies and how much imperialism sucks, but it doesn't really go anywhere. It feels like he had all these great ideas, um, Stuart Harcourt, who wrote this, who's best known as being a TV writer. He, he writes a lot of Claro in his Marvel episodes, um, but it just feels like he kind of petered out at the end, and just got a little timid with, with all the, the, the metaphors. Yeah, there's no epic train journey in this adaptation. Which is a shame, because who doesn't want an epic chase across Europe in trains? No, this is all this all stays in England, clearly because location scouting was just a lot easier that way. Um, but even them keeping the location quite, quite narrow, like just having it be all in one place, I actually don't think is a bad idea. I like the idea of this being a kind of claustrophobic horror movie, but it's not scary. Yeah, this, it, it's just, oh look, there's Dracula. Oh look, he just killed a guy. Yay. Seriously, there's no building tension. There's no worries. You're like, okay, when is this bit going to happen? And, huh, that's a change in the book. I don't think I like it. And that guy is dead. And there is your vampiric attack written as a rape scene. And on to the next thing. It feels oddly, where are the beats? Um, what, what bits do I need to hit while still trying to come up with an original story? And it doesn't quite work. Um, I was watching it and I'm thinking, this isn't close enough to actually Dracula for my liking, because there's so much great stuff in Dracula you could use, but it's also not Balls to the Walls, my own crazy adaptation. Sorry, my own uh, ridiculous adaptation. Uh, like something like Dracula 2000. <laughs> Seriously, as non-Dracula as that movie was, 
it still was like, look, we've got some ideas, man, and we've got some Linkin Park or other new metal in there. It's gonna be amazing. Also, the whitest Judas you have ever seen. Yeah, but that movie's also trying to be quote-unquote cool. We can argue over whether or not it succeeds there. Um, I don't know what this movie's really trying to be. I think it wants to be that kind of, you know, classy British prestige BBC drama, you know, historical piece that we do so well here, that the BBC do so well, but they are not really horror people. I mean, if you look at the adaptations they've done, there are good horrors in there, but they don't really come around. At least the ones I've seen. Basically until they get Mark Gatiss writing them, you know, separate from Stephen Moffat. And oh, those two guys are doing a Dracula adaptation. Have we talked about that before? Oh, we're, we're, still, we're, we're still salty about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is basically, we've got some costumes, what's uh, an out-of-copyright thing we can use them on? That's basically it. We've got all the BBC costumes, let's do something with them while we f to fill in a slot. Which is a shame because I would love a really good like mini series, maybe 6 hour well 42 and change episode uh 42 minutes and change episode series of something like Dracula. You could almost break it up into chunks. Like, you know, one episode is just the demo. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'd finally get my Yeah, you know, one bit is Jonathan in Transylvania, one is the Demeter, one is Lucy and Mina and Whitby, and and so forth. You know, you can obviously skip around to different things, but it does break up so well. And you can really see the weakness of trying to squish it down into your standard 90 minutes sort of thing that they did in this BBC adaptation. It just becomes weak as they try and fit some stuff in, but also their new ideas, which aren't that great anyway. This is more like a bunch of people wearing signs that read certain characters' names, but they're not like those characters at all. Like, the original book Dracula, for all its faults and the issues with characterization and everything, a lot of it is really comes across as, these are a bunch of pretty good people who just happened to be caught in the crossfire of Count Dracula's massive dick. I mean, there are changes that I I kind of appreciated. Like, we, we've talked before about how Arthur Hallwood is basically the least developed character in any adaptation, so people tend to kind of screw around with that and basically make Arthur be kind of a bastard. Which is more interesting than him being just kind of a bit of a weed. So the idea of him being this conflicted aristocrat who desperately loves this woman, but also um, has a really implausible form of syphilis. But he wants to cure himself. Well, that's interesting. Um, oh yeah, don't Google syphilis. Let's just say that again. Yeah, I'm, I mean... And there's going to be someone who goes, oh no, I googled syphilis. Although last time we discussed this, um, the syphilis thing, you were like, oh no, I googled it. And I'm like, huh, okay then. But, okay, so he's generally often discarded as the, the, the nice but grieving widower who bankrolls the entire epic train journey, you know? Homewood's the money, so is the medicine, and Quincy brings the guns. Uh, there is no Quincy, which I'm like, why? But this... Uh, yeah, so there's like missing characters, the 
brought in some characters as the detriment to the detriment of the actual role of other characters. It's just we had some ideas and then realized halfway through none of the characters in the book actually work for this. And they just bring out Hobo Van Helsing. Well, at least even because like, she is having fun in Hobo Van Helsing. Uh, but. Well, how can you not have fun that when you get true. to play Hobo Van Helsing? Actually, that's, I think it's interesting if you watch this now, the amount of people who are in this who are actually pretty big now. You know, Dan Stevens is in this, Reef Squall is in this, Tom Burke is in this. Sophia Miles is in this. And remember the rule that if there's if you got a vampire adaptation, most likely you've got someone who's been in oh, yeah. a vampire adaptation. Remember, she was in Underworld. Yep, the the rule is still holding. But at the time, it was just pretty classic. Here are some BBC actors, right? Oh, it's very BBC. Well, I'll I will leave the leave leave the Brit to confirm that it is very BBC. Yeah, I mean, having Mark Warren be Dracula is, in and of itself, a very BBC move. Uh, at the time, I believe he was still in Hustle, which was a big hit, so... He was around. And now, in the movie, he looks like he's just stepped out of some emo band. Oh god, the design is just so weird. He looks just really sullen. I actually think his, his miscasting is one of the big problems with this adaptation. He's just not sinister, he's not especially sexy, which they're trying to play up in this version. And when you have this character go on on about, you know, the imperialism of Britain and how the English think that they can rule and own any of everything that you pass and how he's going to kind of get his own back on that front, when it's coming from a guy who can't really do any accent other than English. <laughs> it just doesn't work. I mean, it would be interesting to do a Dracula adaptation where you know, he wakes up after so many years and his attitudes towards country, the imperialism and countries are ruling have to be transferred because the Turks aren't ruling his people anymore and things like that. But this is what's happening instead. Ooh. Okay, how about this? Like a Cold War Dracula during the Soviet era. Wakes up and there's like the Soviet Union and all the Eastern Bloc. Hey, it's still more interesting than I hate the English, but here is my English accent. But it's just. It's whiny emo Dracula, and it, again, you've got the whole. What's this? This is a picture of your your fiance, your wife. I must have her. It's like, come on, guys. There's more than one way to go about this. Just because everything has done it before doesn't mean you have to go with that. Goddamn! This is look at this beautiful picture of a woman. I'm going to go to England and destroy everything and make her mine. But there is actually a moment where he does just say, I like your women, and it's like, okay, we're just going to narrow it down to that? Because that's the thing, that's, that would probably be at least understandable if he had chemistry with anybody. He doesn't even have chemistry with his own hair. <laughs> his hair is just terrible. Oh, it's a terrible wig, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 
They were trying to go for a Gerard Butler sexy, but more period, you know, like Gerard Butler's Dracula 2000 meets Mr. Darcy. Via uh, the Rasmus or something, except I actually like the Rasmus. You know, that, but that period. There's definitely a sense that they are trying to evoke sort of contemporary ideas of what, at the time, in 2006, which is, you know, like, height of my chemical romance popularity, especially among my age demographic, um, what they would consider that sort of appealing other. Um, I just don't think that they get there, mostly because there's just so, it's so kind of such a weak sauce adaptation in many ways. Even when they get to the sex scene, it's just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, right. God, this is awful. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, it's going to do this. He's going to do, oh, look, he's doing that thing. It's like, you can feel the, the every, everything it's sort of tried to come from. And so it almost feels like there's nothing. They've tried to come up with an original idea, but it doesn't work. And then a lot of stuff is taken from everywhere else, and that doesn't work. So what's left? Hobo Van Helsing, apparently. And even then, I don't think they really go that far with Hobo Van Helsing. The basic idea here is that he was a folklore expert who was brought in by this brotherhood to, you know, do a bit of freelance, and they've just trapped him there. So once again, you have this interesting idea that a lot of the characters go through in here, and what, what's been present in the book, which is the idea of vampire-related trauma, which is really interesting. We've discussed Jonathan Harker's PTSD quite a bit, like especially when he has his, um, when he's triggered by seeing Count Dracula in London. But that doesn't happen here because, spoiler, Jonathan Harker gets off pretty early on. Now, here's, here's the thing. The, the, the interesting idea of Count Dracula killing somebody so that he can take the identity to travel back to Transylvania, interesting. You know, vampires stealing human lives to take over and exist amongst people and travel and so forth. But again, it's like, well, now what? So you can, ha is this just so you can have Mina cry at the end? You wanted to have the awkward romance between them, but not have to deal with the fact that Jonathan's still alive? Why have you not got Quincy in this adaptation? Sorry. I'm normally, you know, not upset about the lack of Americans in any adaptations, but come on, it's Quincy. Yeah, you could have used a little bit of bombast here because there really isn't that much kind of differentiating Seward from Arthur. Arthur is a bigger dick, but there's just nothing establishing any of these characters, really. I mean, Arthur ends up being the central focus of a Dracula adaptation for once, which in and of itself is very interesting, but no one ever wants that. <laughs> No, um, yes, give Arthur more characterization. Really show his grief at losing uh, Lucy, the the solidness of his friendship with Seward and Quincy. I would, I normally don't say, you know, let's focus more on the male relationships, but in this, I wouldn't mind a lot more brotastic action between those three, because they're three good guys who 
don't act like total dicks when they're all after the same woman. The moment she makes her choice, they totally respect that and go back to being friends and looking after her and doing what she needs and being supportive to her. Not because they hope that, you know, if they put enough friendship coins, she'll they'll get the sex reward. Which is sadly rare in fiction. But here it's just like, okay, Homewood's a dick worried about his dick and what his dick will do to Lucy. Seriously, he's like, he, he doesn't say it in these words, but he's basically thinking, my penis is going to kill her. She wants to touch my penis, but I can't let her touch my penis. And she, boy, does she try to touch the penis. And this is as much as I want to talk about Arthur's home, Homewood's penis <laughs> in total. But it, it's just like, my, my angst, my penis, my wife. Uh, this is one of the things that I was really confused about with this adaptation is they never really fully established just how much Lucy and Mina know about sex or if they really know what sex is. They seem to understand the basic idea of it, but then when they talk about it, it it's a totally different thing. So I'm just wondering if that was kind of their get out of dick free card for this adaptation was just, you know, well, we don't really have to explain anything if they don't know it. So in that aspect, Arthur probably could have just said, hey, if, you know, that moment in Adam's family values where John Q's actually, well, how do you know we're not having sex right now? <laughs> yeah, like, they'll talk about being pure and everything, and then when the time comes, Lucy is going straight to grab his penis. And I'm like, yeah, she kind of knows something. But Lucy in this adaptation is just weird as well. Like they're trying to go for the sweet, friendly young woman that you see in the actual adapt in the actual book Dracula, but then there's something really wrong with her. Like the scene, with the the moment when the Demeter is coming to shore in the storm, and she's trying to get Mina to come down with her to the to the beach. You know, have you ever been around someone who when they when they're dying? You know. She's getting really excited at the idea of going da- out down to the beach and seeing people die. And, and, and of course, I, like probably the rest of the audience, are going, what? Wh- what? She's got getting really aroused at the idea of going down and seeing someone die. I'm like, has she been bitten already? No? And then she'll suddenly go, she's talking about the excitement of death. And then she turns to me and says, basically says, he hasn't fucked me yet. That girl needs to sort out her priorities because what the... That was clearly written by a man. That's the thing with these two women. They really are written by a man. But also, the the general... uh, Once again, it's another moment where the the abstract notions aren't... aren't bad. But the execution leaves, leaves you wanting. Um, you know, it's hard to do a story about trauma, especially in 90 minutes. Because you just spend a lot of time watching people cry. And I, I think that's one is, is trauma is just kind of reduced to crying here. Or looking into the room really worried. Uh, and they don't really do much more with that. So when you get to someone like like Mina, who is such an important part of the book, who is this really savvy character who is consistently underestimated, but is also really respected by a lot of the guys in the book, even if it's more like, oh, well, they remind, she reminds me of a man. 
here, Mina is... First of all, she's played by Stephanie Leonidas, and she looks really young. Like, she looks a lot younger than Lucy. Yeah, there was a definite sort of almost an age reversal. Lucy seemed a lot more worldly than Mina, which is kind of... Yeah, and also that just seems really tied to, well, Lucy's just really interested in fucking, right? So clearly she would be the really mature and otherworldly one. Or not even mature, just kind of sex mad. It's the same mishandling of her um, feeling that she could love all three men and wondering why she couldn't marry all three of them because she, she loves them all dearly and she doesn't want to hurt any of them. And surely someone could have that much love in them to love multiple people and thinking, oh yeah, she's just a total slutty slut. That you, and which you see in so many adaptations, that same misreading. I actually wonder how much of Dracula the book did the the, the writer actually read, because it's almost like that, a game of telephone with oh, yeah. the uh, adaptations, isn't it? But also, y you get the feeling that maybe this was like a cliff note scam that he did, because there are elements that are you know definitely from the book that only really feel like they're there because well I got to have something from the book. So Lucy still has affection for Seward. It's a little more one-sided in this version. But you get the feeling, well, that's in the book, so we got to have that there. We're not going to include the American guy, but we are going to include the Doctor, but we're not going to make him as interesting as he, in the book, as he is in the book. We're not going to include Renfield, which is a really interesting choice because adaptations usually go wild for him because they can go, let's put in a crazy guy! I guess they just merged him with Homo, Hobo Van Helsing. Especially considering so many adaptations have Renfield having gone to Transylvania in the first place, which was the case with uh, Hobo Van Helsing in this adaptation. Yeah, they're less interested in... What's interesting is how much he talks about, how much Dracula talks about hating the, the English and their imperialistic ways, and given how much of the story is focused on the sort of the poisonous ties to the upper class that Arthur has through his bloodline, literally through his blood because of his dad. But this, once again, the series just kind of drops that. You get the, the evil brotherhood conspiracy stuff, but you don't really see much of this evil brotherhood. You don't really see the supposed reach that they have all over London. You don't really see the sort of impact that they have and what it is that they're aiming for. Ultimately, like there are clearly all of these plans are supposed to be going on, but it just boils down to like what Dracula says in that one scene. I like your women. Yeah, with him, he's you know got his grand plans to go to London and buying all the stuff and be at the center of everything. And then I'm like, so you've got to London. Now what? Are you gonna go see a show or something? Uh, hang out with some of the women? What? And ultimately, one of your the deal houses? that he has made with with Arthur just completely falls to pieces, and you end up wondering why that's even a plot point in the first place. You know, why couldn't he have just brought him over because he was kind of a shit or whatever? Why did it have to be this personal kind of devil's tale? Because he he doesn't even. I mean, he immediately reneges on the deal, but even. He doesn't seem to have really been happy the deal was made in the first place, because clearly it wasn't him that made the deal. Yeah, it's just like, crap, 
We've just walked ourselves into an odd corner. Let's just pretend none of this plot ever happened. Do you think the audience will remember? You know what? Yes, they'll remember because they'll have spent an awful lot of time going, wait, can you be down with syphilis? Can you live until you're in your 20s and not have any symptoms of syphilis manifest? No, by the way. You can be born with syphilis if it's been passed down through your bloodline from your parents. Um, it's not something that you can really hide when you're a newborn. It's pretty obvious you've got syphilis as a newborn if you've got it. You certainly wouldn't, it wouldn't just start appearing uh, when you're in your 20s. So, you know, it, it's uh, creatively convenient. And he hasn't really... And he's been rather asymptomatic, isn't it? It's more like, I believe you've been, you've inherited it because your father had it and gave it to your mother who died of it. Is it even yes, it, he does. Remember the scene where he like pulls his shirt back to show all the lesions that he's got? Yeah, because I was just like, for a lot of it, he's like, you worried about what? Is your penis making you angry? But no, you're you're right, there is this shirtless scene. And it's not even an interesting horror shirtless scene. There were just so many very ambiguous white British men, they started to blur together. Like, I'm like, yep, this guy is going to be on the BBC. He's standard white British guy. Yeah, that's the thing is, it just feels, a lot of this just feels kind of standard British period drama, but it's supposed to be scary or weird and thrilling or sexy or something, and, you know, hell, half the Pride and Prejudice adaptations are going to be easier or sexier than this. Well, there's no diving into the water scene and coming out dripping wet, is there? There's just some sad people talking about graves and how nobody's in them. Yeah, I would have liked more of that. I, 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 there's just a lot I would have liked more of, you know? I would have liked... Yeah, I, I wouldn't... If this had been longer, and maybe a bigger budget, because this wasn't cheap. This thing clearly has a budget behind it. But there's just no no verve to it. Yeah, yeah, you need to go for it. You need to I wouldn't have minded this thing being a bit more melodramatic, to be honest. You know, I wouldn't have minded this thing just being a bit more you know, like self consciously calm. Because it takes itself very seriously. For all the penis whining, yeah. It's just, well, you called it anemic earlier on, and like that's probably the best. But it's just kind of moping around, waiting for the next maybe burst of energy, which never comes. It's, it's just moping, and not fun moping. It's not, this is not something I actively hate, like when we did Eclipse and everything was just so mean about it. This yeah, that, that's just kind a of huge problem empty. with it, is there's so much that they could have done, and it just ends up not even falling apart, it's just kind of like a, a shrug. It's like, 
and we couldn't afford to do the train sequence. Let's just have them show up in a basement somewhere and have a very brief fight. Sequel hook! And it, and that's it. Like, there's nothing to be passionate about, even if it's in how much you hate it. This is just like... So, honestly, if it weren't for the fact that Dracula was already out of copyright, I think this was an attempt to keep the copy, keep the rights, like with um, Fantastic <laughs> or whatever. That would make a lot of sense. It's like, we've got the obligation, we need to do it just so we can keep it and keep Marvel from doing something with this. We've got the costumes, we've got the rights, let's just do it. And it's a shame, because they probably could have done something a lot better. But why? Why was it so crummy? I wonder if the BBC maybe stepped in and says, look, this is supposed to be, you know, Christmas entertainment, or it, it would have been. It would have been after Christmas. It would have been like the period between Christmas and New Year. You know, it can't be too scary. We'd still like it to be relatively like, if not family friendly, then like the kind of thing that you could watch with your teenage kids in the room, and they wouldn't be that embarrassed. Because you know, anything with a sex scene is a good idea to watch with your parents when you're a teenager, or anything watching with your parents as a teenager. Because I watched this with my family and we were just bored. Yeah, it's just like... yeah well, considering your family's tastes <laughs> in entertainment and vampire entertainment, I don't think we should be using your parents as the standard of what to watch with a teenager or a preteen. I mean, for goodness sakes, your Christmas viewing is probably going to be something like uh, Interview with a Vampire, followed by probably. Some Quentin Tarantino. And we're probably all going to end up watching Everest again, which is a movie that my mother is quite obsessed with. So, okay. I mean, for me, the big problem, uh, one of the big problems, is really the changes they make to Mina. Because like, I understand why they make the changes to Lucy. I don't get it, but I understand it. Like, I, I, I mean, I understand how, like, it's very easy just to read Dracula and think, well, Lucy, sex. Yeah. But when it comes to, to Mina, she's just sort of left. Like, it, the, the, the material just does not seem that interested in her. They're like, oh crap, we killed her husband. She better, well, her future husband. We better have her react to this. She's very, she is very, she's only reactive, whereas at least in the book she was proactive. Perhaps not to a degree that modern readers would like, but she was definitely thinking and doing things. Here she's just like, my friend, my, my fiancé is missing and his employer is dead. I better cry in front of the police. My fr friend is dying and is dead. I'd better cry. I just found out that my husband may is dead. I better. My fiance is dead. Better cry. And then let's have a whole uplifting thing at the end of the movie where she decides she'll still be that she's still loving forever and nothing will change that. But she is going to move on with her life and think happy thoughts. 
that was just kind of weird as well. I'm like, what what movie did that get tagged on from? It just feels that's one of the things. It feels like an out. But would they really want Dracula two syphilis strikes back? We talk about how Lucy is reduced to the slutty slut, uh, and then Mina is often reduced to the damsel. She's the object of desire, but you know, so pure and innocent, unlike her friend Lucy, who dies because it's got to be deserved her death. You know, you can't kill off the nice person in this movie. The woman has always got to earn her death. She needs to deserve her death, especially one so horrible where she needs to be killed twice, beheaded and possibly have her soul at risk. Thus the girl is meant to act in counterpoint to the purity of the surviving woman, which in this case is Mina. Whereas Mina in the book is often portrayed as being quite masculine in a lot of ways and those are admirable traits because well, if they're admirable in a man and a woman shows these unwomanly traits, hey, maybe that's a good thing. So, Zia reduced to Weeping Widow is just... Again, did you read the book? Yeah, I just got the feeling of this adaptation that if, if they thought it would be possible, the screenwriter would rather have just dropped Mina altogether. Yeah, they're like, well, we need some sort of plot MacGuffin for the men to fight over. And while Lucy is dead, what are they going to fight over? I don't know. Not being dicks and trying to stop an evil? You've got to add the realistic thing of protecting our women from the evil foreign menace. Which, you know, actual thing in the book. But even here, it's more like oh crap, we'd better put her in here, shouldn't we? If it were... I'd almost feel like they'd try and kill her off as early as so they quickly. did Jonathan. I mean... And he was just offed unceremoniously. It took me a second to realise what had happened. I'm just like, okay, there's this guy, and there's a... Oh! Wait, is this the same Yeah, and I, I wanted more of that, especially in retrospect, because that's Reef's fall, and I really like Reef's fall. <laughs> you know what? Timothy's fall would be an awesome Van Helsing. I did, you sent me the trailer. Creepy Timothy's fall. He's very good at creepy. <laughs> Here he's lovely, but he's very good at creepy. Yeah. Oh, often it's the nicest ones, isn't it? Actually, now I kind of want Timothy Spall as like a, a actually as a Dracula, but a non-sexy Dracula. You know, I would have liked it if they had made Dracula more sinister in this film. Like, either go full sex or full sinister. Don't half-ass that shit. But also, if you're going to have a story in which Dracula really fucking hates the English, in which he is incredibly anti-imperialist, and which, frankly, is a really good worldview to have... Um, why not cast a man of colour as Dracula? Or at least someone who's cast a Roma actor. How awesome would that be? Have you seen the, the current, like, favourite fan theory going around about Dracula? The one that was on Tumblr, which I mean... Uh, so basically, someone was asked, like, asked, what is your favourite piece of fanon? And someone said that Dracula is 
you know, an epistolary novel by a series of unreliable racist narrators trying to justify the fact that they have killed a <clears throat> they have killed a foreign um, man of color who has come over from Eastern Europe, um, and they're just trying to justify the fact that they killed him because they're racist. So they pretend he's a vampire. It's like, that's actually a really interesting idea. The idea that you inherently see, you know, like the xenophobic default mode is that you inherently see people of color or people of different nationalities, people who come over here. You, you inherently see them as an other. You inherently see them as parasites. You inherently don't see them as human. I mean, look at all of the anti-immigration rhetoric that's going around in politics right now and I think basically every corner of the globe. And how they talk about, you know, people... Let, you know, they talk about refugees or immigrants, uh, uh, just basically as not being people. So why not make a vampire narrative out of that? Yeah, well, I mean, look at Britain and all the people who voted to leave um, the EU because they were worried about, like, I don't know, the Polish people coming to take their job. Yeah, the highest, like, the highest um, percentage of voters who based their decision on immigration did so in areas where immigration is like super super low almost non-existent like their idea of immigration is from a town an hour away because uh, like some Dracula adaptations touch on the whole Van Helsing Ottoman can um, not the Van Helsing um, old blood tepish uh, Ottoman idea and it's just something I've been thinking about recently because my maternal grandfather uh, is from Bulgaria and the history of his area is a large Roma population there currently uh, but historically it was very very Turkish and very large Muslim area. It's quite Christian now but there's still a lot of mosques in this little well little-ish village in this town so and of course we talk about these far east and these slavic peoples um the turks moving into britain at these sorts of times and the whole idea of these people are parasites they come to take our jobs take our women they're causing all these other problems uh and that was reflected in the book i mean He's not just some monster. An inherently sexualized monster. Kind of and monster. that's another thing that you see in a lot of really racist rhetoric is the idea that people of colour, particularly black men, are inherently over-sexualized rapists in waiting who just want to come after our nice white women, you know? That is so common. Um, I, was, I wrote an essay recently for my master's degree on um, on critical race theory and just the amount of stuff made even made today that is based on the idea that like oh well you know those black men they're just you know nothing but sex non-consensual sex um, was staggering and maybe it's just because I'm very white um, but just the, ex the extent of it w was so unnerving to me um, but even reading, like, how many Dracula adaptations have we seen really dig into the, the idea of it being a, 
a metaphorical xenophobia. And it's a problem as well because, I mean, how much of what we have done has been very, very white? I think every single one that we've watched for the show has been, if not exclusively white, then vast majority white. I'm just trying to think. Um, Dracula 2000 probably had the most diverse cast <coughs> of and any that's Dracula so story that we've seen so far. And that's so sad. I mean, Dracula, just remember, Dracula 2000 did something better than you. Because uh, the only other one that really sort of comes, the ones that sort of come to mind are Dracula pages from A Virgin's Diary, which has, uh, is he a Chinese ballet dancer? We should do that film, by the way. Uh, Played the title role of Dracula. Not the pages from The Virgin's Diary. It was only yeah, I just found as well at HMV, I was so excited. Oh yeah! I mean, nowadays, oddly, they mostly sell vinyl. Like, we've now kind of come full circle, because they mostly sell vinyl now. Vinyl and those fucking dolls. What are they? The Funko Pop shit. Oh, man. Somebody described them as precious moments for nerds. And it's so true. She says, looking at her Labyrinth collection. <laughs> But it's more because it's Labyrinth than Funko Pop. Because um, the only other one that comes to mind is Dracula Pages from Virgin's Diary and the, oh god, NBC Dracula is Tesla uh, adaptation where they had uh, Renfield as, well, the sidekick, but very articulate, intelligent. Yeah, he is the man who's basically like, Oh my god, stupid fucking white people. And I like that, Renfield. He is easily the best thing about that adaptation. Are we doing that series at some point? Because I know that it caused you a lot of distress. I still have the emails, by the way. Catherine would write me very, very long, like, recap emails of her watching the NBC Dracula series. She was just so mad, you guys. It was wonderful. Because I watched it the first time right when it was actually on TV. I don't think it got here to be on TV. Um. Sorry, where were we before we started ranting about other... Hey, at least that one we'd get excited to rant about. That is true. I mean, that's what, I mean, if we want to talk about, like, wasted potential, then we could do that for weeks. On the NBC Dracula version, but the only people that would care would be us, and maybe Claire Linda because she did recap it for her her page. Oh, that's true. We 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 own some influences. Um, but I remember I think Cleo agreed to do it. Like she kind of accidentally made a plea that if NBC renewed Hannibal, she would recap their Dracula and they did! I think it was when they re the, um, renewed it for the third and final season. So. Oh, speaking of NBC's Hannibal, um, you know how we said you know, either go full sexy or full scary? 
Unless you're casting magic. Yeah, I'm just saying, I know that this dark universe which I still think is the worst thing ever um, that Universal kept, were, were trying to do um, you know, trying to turn their the Monsters franchise into this kind of big really you know, mar big Marvel style expanded universe it's like, now that you've basically realised that's a terrible idea you should just make a Dracula movie and just have Mads Mikkelsen be Dracula Mm-hmm. I also vote for actual Romanian Sebastian Stan as Dracula, although I suspect that will probably go into the sexy with a side of scary um, type of adaptation. But I mean, we've seen Winter Soldier. I bet he could, he's another one who could do See, both. this is how exciting this version of Dracula is that we're talking about. We've just talked about other things for like a solid 15 minutes. Other actual Draculas. Because that's the thing. For all of the stuff in this movie, in this TV movie, there's nothing that gets us really passionate about it. It's like, okay, stuff happened. Wish they'd done some other stuff. I can see why nobody watches this. <laughs> At least with the Twilight books, we got angry enough to be to passionately rant about it. Here... I just was like, this is a shitty movie about shitty people who do some shitty things and shitty things happen to them in return. Which has its potential. Like, wouldn't a really, like, knockdown, drag through the mud, really, like, nasty, kind of brutal version of Dracula be interesting? One where everyone really is out for themselves. But it needs to be everyone. You can't just have selfish bastard Arthur and then lots of weeping women. You know, you've got to up that game. How, how did this become our benchmark? That's really sad. Um, because that was about some shitty people who did some shitty things and shitty things happened to them and it all got shitty, but that was like actual natural consequences of stuff happening and there was excitement and tension and ceiling sex and uh, new metal and, and having Christopher really, Plummer before really you pasty, needed to just bring him in to replace guys. people. But I think, as I said before, with an adaptation like this, either really go for Dracula, really mine the stuff that's actually in there, because there's so much stuff that people neglect or don't touch. Like, come on, where's my Demeter horror movie? Or go balls to the walls out there like you talk there's a thing about syphilis and sexually transmitted diseases and illness and everything great that's really core into the idea of a vampire you know the plague and the destruction of humanity and all sorts of things and the the, the tying in of sex of sex and biting and the reproduction of that thing this you can go for that just don't drop it. Yeah, but if you're going to go full disease, like, we see a glimpse of just how bad syphilis is when you see his dad at the beginning, when he's basically completely lost control over himself and is covered in sores. 
Um, still has his nose full. Uh, <laughs> really bad stuff was that have been gone by now. Um, but th this is another thing. I think this is the struggle they have to be respectable. Uh, they cannot go as far with the kind of grotesque as they need to. Because syphilis is fucking awful. It is a brutal disease that just kind of ravages you. It just really destroys your face. Um, but it seems like they don't want to hurt poor pretty Dan Stevens. And this was, you know, pre-Downton Abbey, so it's not like he was a huge star or anything. It's just, it's all a little too respectable. I feel like if they made this, like, I know that they're making their Dracula now. Let's pretend that that's not happening, and let's pretend that this kind of story was happening now. I feel like they would have been okay with taking it further. Because now they would have to compete with, you know, all of the satellite channels and Netflix and Amazon and, you know, international television and stuff. You know, they would, I think they would be okay with doing that. And it's been 10 something years. The level of violence that you see and sex and everything on TV, even sort of cable TV, not cable TV, just regular TV, has gone up. And what time were they going to air this? Like 8.30 in the evening? You could air it a little later. I mean, God, we've had Zack and Mary make a porno air starting at 8.30. Somewhere in the middle of the line it changes from the TV editor version to the, the proper version, which is kind of weird because I stopped bleeping everything. <laughs> but, you know, so do something other than this is how upper-class British Christmas yeah, but that's, entertainment. Yeah, there's another like, conflict that they don't entirely... They, they just don't seem to know how to resolve it. This is supposed to be a story about really repressed people, which is a thing in the book, you know? Not just in terms of sexually, but emotionally. You know, Arthur is fucked up because he's clearly been raised in a really upper-class household where he wasn't loved. Um, where his dad probably barely talked to him, never, like, mentioned the whole syphilis thing. Um, that would have been nice. Uh, but when you try to tell a story about repression, you're, you risk falling into just making it kind of dull. And I think that's what happens here. And it doesn't help that the colour palette for this movie is so beige. I mean, stylistically, it's one of the uglier looking pieces that BBC has done. And I think that they are trying to go for... What I think they are trying to do is they have watched the Coppola film and they, they realise... If we go for anything remotely resembling that, people will call us out and say that we're copying Francis for Coppola. And I think that's part of the reason that Mark Warren's performance is so restrained. If he goes any bigger, everyone is going to start comparing him to Gary Oldman. Which is the problem of having such a well-known adaptation that starts to eclipse everything else. So we start getting that telephone effect. Not that, you know... Bram Stoker's Dracula by Coppola was the first one to really do things such as, you know, the Mina reincarnation or anything like that. But it was the one that grabbed everyone by the by the jaw and just sort of made them pay attention. And so of course you either follow along because it was successful and that's what you need, or you try so hard to do something different you utterly miss the point and everything's just so pale and anemic. It's like everyone who 
started, who's writing vampire stories post Twilight were just so determined to not write anything similar to Twilight that it still infects vampire fiction to this day. They don't seem to realize that 12 years have passed since Twilight came out and many years since the movie, the very last movie came out. They're still paranoid of being Most like of the general public do not book. consume the level of vampire fiction that we do. So we know the beats, we know the the tropes, we know the, you know, like, we, we know the know, you know, why else would we be doing this podcast? Most people, like, generally speaking, I think will be familiar with Twilight, even if they haven't read it or seen it, they know the iconography of Twilight, they know the famous lines, they know the sparkling, that kind of thing. They probably know the iconography of the Bela Lugosi Dracula, but the chances are they haven't actually seen it. If they're British, they are probably aware of Christopher Lee Dracula, and then I think that they'll be aware of the the Coppola Dracula, and maybe Interview with a Vampire, but you know, maybe. And that's like the roast, yeah. That that's like the roaster of vampire stories that they will know. So instinctively, and I think everyone does this as a viewer, you just start comparing things. You start comparing influences. Um, but you also want to make your own thing, particularly if you want to make money off of it. You know, you need to make your own iconography. You need to put your own spin on the story. You need to give it a reason. You need to justify its existence, basically. So I get the decisions made, but I feel like this should have been either a mini-series or it should have been drastically changed in terms of tone. Mm-hmm. It has no idea what it really wants to be, so it's kind of stretched thin. It's too hesitant to do anything too risky beyond its original concept of, hey, what if Arthur was kind of a dick? Who was worried about his dick? Which, once again, not a bad idea. Like, why not develop Arthur further? But if you're developing Arthur further to the detriment of basically everything else and everyone else in this story, like, is Arthur really worth it? It's fucking Arthur Homewood. Who cares? I mean, there's some scenes in there that you could really build from. You've got a guy who gets the girl but loses the girl. And this is after he's, like, lost his father partway through the book. So you've got a man who's who's losing his family, the people he's supposed to care about most. And now what? And then at the end of the book, he's lost one of his true friends. He's lost his father, his fiance, his friend, all over the same sort of period. That would shake up a lot of people. And that's excluding the whole, there are freaking dra- there are freaking vampires, and I had to stake the love of my life and cut her head off because some old Dutch guy told me to. Not just some old Dutch guy, but some old Dutch guy who's probably one of the more questionably competent versions of Van Helsing, which isn't necessarily a bad idea. I like the idea of a, a Dracula who's just falling apart at the seams, you know? But, once again, he's not in this very much. So we really don't get much of a an insight into just how traumatised he is. It helps that he's played by David Sushi in The Man is a Miracle Worker. Um... But, once again, there's just not enough time or interest in doing that. 
So this, like, at, at very best, I would have liked a three-hour miniseries. Like, two 90-minute parts. Yeah. Yeah. It tries to go in a direction, but then it hesitates each time. Like, um... It tries to be sexy, but... So it tries to be sexy, like with that whole attempted sex scene. I don't know if they're trying, but they don't know, don't seem to be trying to make Dracula that sexy. It's more like, here's a writhing blonde in a bed. Maybe you could see a hint of boob if you squint. Uh, But doesn't go any further. Like, there's no Jonathan Harker being assaulted by the, the three sisters, which while we acknowledge it as being clearly sexual assault and part of what traumatizes him so much, a lot of adaptations put into the whole, holy shit, it's a guy and three hot chicks. Um, it tries to be scary. I mean, look, this Dracula just made a guy shoot himself in the head. How is that not scary? Answer, it's not that scary. Uh, there's the whole storm, but there's not much of a storm. There's the worry about the syphilis, but there's not much to do with the syphilis. You know, we don't see Arthur devolving as much as you'd expect this movie to do with the way it starts off. It tries to shake things up by doing things like killing Jonathan Harker, which, you know, once you figure out what just happened, is, is kind of a shock because he's supposed to live. You know, he... Yeah, the story has been told enough you generally know what happens especially if you have watched a few adaptations and actually read the book but of course there's no Quincy so who's going to die answer well, I guess Arthur and of course because of all the terrible things he does it's the fitting end and it's expected so it's not tragic or heroic or anything it's just like ah I guess that was due to happen this is just anemic and half-hearted and even shittier films have done this better. Shittier films have justified their reason for being and I don't know if this does. Yep. Dracula 2000, for all of its all of its badness, at least knew what it was trying for and went for it. No, seriously, how did Dracula 2000 become our benchmarker for quality? Or... It's not so much quality as just something that actually tried. Dracula 2000 is the you tried gold star. This does not get the... Well, it's metallic yellow star. <laughs> uh, a gold is still stretching it. But yeah, it, I, I, I think that... I think at some point Dracula 2000 had much more ambition behind it before it was kind of seeped out by the wine scene. Um, but yeah, yeah I don't here really go for a respectable so Dracula because I could totally imagine a really sort of British, uh, You could go for a British stiff upper lip adaptation of Dracula. You know, the, everyone trying to hold themselves desperately together as everything falls a- apart around them. That would be fascinating to watch as people struggle to cope with keeping their identities in check while everything is going to pot. Or, holy shit, Dracula's in London, everything's going wild. You know, either pick a thing and stick to it. 
and wh whatever you choose go for it and go hard Whatever your decision, decide and do. Also, random aside, Sam Neill for Van Helsing. Oh, he'd have fun with that. Yeah. And hey, he can't do a worse job than, you know, <laughs> than many other Van Helsings we've seen. Yeah, I feel like he would bring it. Like, I feel like he'd go full Anthony Hopkins. He'd have fun. He would, he would insist on a lot of wine on set, but he would have fun. He'd probably be like, okay, I'm bringing the wine. And they're like, you brought the wine yesterday. It's like, yes, I'm bringing more today. Why is there a also, pig on this set? Is ti <laughs> yeah, this is Tiger YTT. You named your pig after a tiger? Yes. <laughs> mm hmm Anyway, uh, anything else you'd like to say to wrap it up besides, seriously, let's pitch uh, Van Helsing to Sam Neill? Um, once again, don't Google syphilis. Unless you're the kind of person who watches medical stuff for fun, in which case you've probably already seen it. And so on to next month, we're going to be doing another film. Apparently we're quite lazy instead of doing books and everything else. Uh, so, before we announce the title of what we're going to watch next month, I think Kaylee has a review for us. Yes, this uh, wonderful one-star review on Amazon describes the film as such. A cartoonish film with lots of blood, bodily violence, vomit, and lots and lots of diseased skin and pus. If blood, vomit, and pus are your thing, then you'll like this film, but I could not watch it to the end. I'm in. And yet you don't want to Google syphilis? Pus and syphilis are on two totally different levels, okay? Okay. We do not need to get into the semantics of this, but I am very excited because we are going to be doing a Park Chan-wook's film first. We talk about how white our, the vampire viewing thing is, so we thought we'd definitely make sure we don't do something that is as white as Dracula was. Also, if you do have any recommendations for anything uh, non-white or non-Western European or American that you would like us to have a look at, or just even reviews that you want us to share with our dozens and dozens of listeners, or if you have anything that's like super not straight, let us know as well. Uh, I do want to do uh, certain dark things at some point, because that looks so good. But honestly, I haven't been reading that much in general, so. I mean, I've been reading fanfiction and that's about it. Yeah, I've just not had time to to read anything that isn't related to my course. Because otherwise the guilt hits. Yep. Anyway, so, on t so we'll be doing Thirst next month with all its pus and non-syphilis as can be. Anything else you'd like to say before we sh before we sign off? No, I feel like everyone's got the syphilis warning by now. If they haven't, it's their own damn fault. Yep. So just remember, if you're doing a Bram Stoker's Dracula adaptation, don't think, but what about the men? Because clearly, as this movie has shown, it doesn't quite work out. 
until next time, we're available on our website, bloodsuckingfeminist.com. We're on Twitter, at bloodsuckingfem. We've got a Facebook page, if you Google, well, Facebook, bloodsuckingfeminists. And we are also around on our relative Twitter and other websites. Kaylee's available at Kaylee Ann on Twitter. Don't ask us how to spell it. I'm on Twitter as Cislavova. And until next time, don't Google syphilis.